Hey, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to No Reservation. In my own words, I am Pat Robitaille. I'm a father. I live in Toronto. I'm a student. I am a corporate man, kind of, in a really unique way. I'm now a pet dad, and I've been a musician for, for many moons, and a lot of where I'm at today is a result of my journey through music. Amazing. Yeah, what a, yeah that's just, all of that is amazing, specifically the, the music, and I'm so excited to be able to have this conversation with you to figure out how on earth you became a musician and then how that ended up directing you towards the tourism industry because we are lucky as hell to have you and uh, i want to hear all about that so thank you thank you for this opportunity to sit down and have this conversation thank you for hosting the no reservation podcast in your home with your pets ah yes yeah <laughs> very no. very natural setting for this kind of conversation it's it's perfect. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks yeah. for including me. I love what you're doing and I'm excited about your podcast. And I, I, I am new to the industry that I'm in. And so in my eyes, I feel really honored to be included in things like this awesome. to be, you know, the fact that you'll even answer my text. Ha! <laughs> Likewise. Um, so, so where okay, does your so, story begin? Okay, yeah. So take... let me, let me trace it back. Like yeah, yeah. as, as a kid, um, always drawn to music, the magic of music, like, like many are, didn't have parents that really satiated a lot. Like us kids, I had two sisters. We didn't get a lot of music in the home necessarily. Like we didn't have a record player. We only had a handful of cassettes. Hmm. Um, parents always loved and appreciated art, but weren't, you know, big, big into music or, or any one medium of art really. Um, and then just as time grew, I just felt really drawn to music. Uh, I ended up taking piano lessons as a kid, like many kids do. It was an amazing way to set sort of the rudiments. And then that sort of fizzled. And then I always wanted to pick up the guitar. I felt really drawn to the guitar. Like I have a vivid memory of a park uh, on the river. I grew up along the Detroit River on the Windsor wow. side. And I have a vivid memory of this guy who used to sing like Eric Clapton songs and stuff in the park with this little PA system. And That's like, awesome. it was cheesy, but like to yeah, me, it yeah. was like, I would just watch his hands and like, you know, we'd be walking by as a family and yeah. I wouldn't really stop and watch, but then like basically walk, you know, into a pole because I'm just staring at this guy playing music and was really drawn to it. So fast forward, as I become a young teen, I still don't have my hands on a guitar. Cousins around me, people around me are playing. I'm just like, oh my God, I got to get a guitar. Um, um, where, sorry, I'm, I've already lost my train of thought. I'm, I'm like getting into music. How are you well, getting into music? What's interesting is right now, even talking to you, like I haven't had a conversation or thought about this stuff in a yeah. while. So like, it, I'm probably going to get lost a few times. That's I'm awesome. just like remembering things right now. Getting lost a few times was the other name for the podcast. <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so much music came out and started playing videos, Ooh. you know, when I was like that age where I was like wanting to play guitar so i would just watch much music all the time and when i finally got my hands on a guitar i actually knew the chord structures of all the first position chords from just watching you know video after video and like some guys are playing and drop tunings or different things yeah. so those hand positions didn't work but i quickly yeah. found out like what that tuning meant so the guitar when i got it and how i could position my hands and i was obsessed 
And I think you'll, you'll appreciate this one too. This is interesting. I, as a kid, um, developed like epilepsy, I guess. Mm. Like I started having really bad grand mal seizures wow. and I was getting all kinds of tests done. I was even booked for an operation when I was going to turn 18. So when I'm at an age that your brain's developed enough that Pretty they can critical. actually do the procedure. Yeah, yeah. But at this time when we're having these conversations, I'm like 10, yeah. you know, going on 11. Got the guitar at 11. Never had another seizure ever again, which was really... Wow. Which was really unheard of. Like, just stop taking the medication. Wow. And uh, so literally, like, people will say music saved my life. But it is one of those things that, like, That's literally amazing. saved my life. And wow. it, was, um, it was just such a vessel for expression. And, like, you know, so... So from there, I guess I get this guitar, um, grew up in a household where my parents were dragging me to all kinds of different churches all the time. It was really a strange thing. Like we would even go to churches in Detroit. We would bounce around to different ones in Windsor, spend two little tenures for like a number of years at a church and move on. But there's always really great bands. And the interesting thing about churches is like they're so inclusive of yeah. people jumping up and playing music, Absolutely. even if you're a kid. Yeah. So I had an opportunity to get up with like, you know, basically semi-professional to professional level musicians at these like you know various churches a lot of the churches weren't it wasn't like catholic church it was like church with like bands and Maybe. leaders that would do the whole like yeah. it's like a like u2s up there you know <laughs> and some good acoustics in churches and right some of, the, some of the churches that just the, the sound is amazing but they have all that infrastructure they yeah. have sound boards and things so yeah. even from the first days that i'm plugging in a guitar i'm like watching how the sound guy works like it really set yeah. a stage for me to learn a lot about being a musician yeah so then fast forward i start getting into just writing my own music really fall out of my relationship with going to church like i'm really <laughs> at this point in life i don't i don't know where i sit religiously but it's definitely not in church yeah <laughs> i would say that um and i start just writing music on my own and went to um my dad paid to send me send me in to go to a studio and it's kind of expensive to go into like a real studio even in windsor you know did some sessions heard myself back wanted to throw up it sounded like <laughs> shit you know, not what I was expecting, but also not as bad. Like it wasn't yeah. even listening back now. I'm like, oh, it's not as bad as I remembered. Yeah. When I, yeah. Um, so it was expensive, whatever. I still wanted to keep making music. And at the local music shop up the street, they start selling these like zip drive, eight track recording oh. machines. So my dad's like, that thing's like the cost of what it costs to send you to the studio. I'll get you one of those for Christmas. And wow. like, you just, you, you could start using that at home. And I sunk into this thing like crazy. It was sort of just before everybody was really doing a lot of that home recording. So I just started making albums at home, then bringing them up the street to the music shop. And the music shop owner is like, this is sweet. Can we sell these here? No way. So, and then yeah. so one day a session drummer for a bunch of like great musicians in Detroit is in the music shop and they're spinning it. And he's like, what's this? They're like, oh, this is a CD right here. He's just selling his music. He like literally burns them in his bedroom. He's making the records up the street. The guy's like, no way. Like, get him down here right now. And the rest is history with him. Like I came down, met this guy. We start making demos together. He gets me to a producer that has just made records that like I'm in love with that wow. are like modeling like the music that I'm making at the time. I don't know if you know like um, Ben Folds, Rock in the yeah, Suburbs. Totally. Yeah. He just made that record, wow. Vertical Horizons, Everything You wow. Want, which was yeah. a huge smash, like pop yeah, hit. Yeah, had yeah. just that was like a couple of years previous. And this guy had come from like a really interesting path too, where he wasn't just doing like pop pretty music, he was doing like um, filter and fuel and a mm. bunch of like, um, you know, Marilyn Manson even yeah. and um, edgier stuff, edgier stuff yeah. for sure. Yeah. But then like mixed that song "Kiss Me" by Sixpence None the Richer. Okay, that was yeah. like a big smash. So yeah. he was like all over the place with what he was doing, and um, and so he signed me to a production deal and essentially 
leveraged where he was at with, you know, I mean, if you have like a, a number one album or, or close to like in recent history, you can kind of stage a meeting with whoever you want. Huh. So he took me under his wing and was like, come down, I have a studio in LA. I have connections, musicians, you're writing songs. Let's cut these songs, go around and shop them. Here's the deal that will strike. And I kind of shook on that deal and signed this deal and went down, and, or, um, went down to Los Angeles and started hanging out and recording and spending time and super surreal. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm like, again, I grew up in a household where like my parents aren't introducing me to a lot of music. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting the opportunity to like go to Capitol Records building and Ugh. they're like, do you want to go down to the studio downstairs? And I'm like, nah, sorry. I'm kind of like, we got a busy afternoon. And then like, then I come to fall in love with the Beach Boys a few years later. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I can't believe I missed like. Don't miss that chance. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting when I look back on my story, like I feel like yeah. I fucked up a lot of opportunities, yeah. which is like everybody's story. But totally. I really do have a trail of like disaster behind my decision making. But I think it's, it's no matter what it is that you're doing, <laughs> I think that it's hard it, like when you're younger and then when you get older until you kind of wrestle with it, like yeah. being present in the moment as yeah simple as, as that, that. It, like, I know. because you weren't necessarily paying attention to the things that are happening around you because yeah. you you're kind of like well you know in some cases like i don't know what this is or i'll be yeah. back here tomorrow yeah yeah or yes. maybe not ever and miss that opportunity so it's it's i find that i all through my life i have those moments where i'm just like i just wish i stopped and just yeah, totally. Just like smell the roses that, for a second. You know? Yeah, exactly that experience. So this is funny because I'm in Nash, or I'm sorry, I'm I'm in Los Angeles and How spent, old are doing you that thing. Think? Like 18, I signed the deal when I was like 16, yeah. I think, or just turned 17. But like reality is, bringing a 17 year old down to LA is not a great. Oh yeah, it's not a great look. So I feel yeah. like that got kind of stalled for a year. Yeah. I thought I was going, then yeah. it didn't happen. The second I turned 18, I start going down, hanging out, yeah. making these demos, shopping around. Um, for deal offers and, and yeah. it was just really an interesting thing to witness I mean I'm staying at his place he lives in the Hollywood Hills I'm watching Will Ferrell jog by in the morning like it was super fucking Wait, surreal Will Ferrell jogs? Yeah he's yeah. run a number of marathons actually Has it really? Oh, yeah cool. yeah it's, um, I know he's a big streaker but I think yeah. that's like a Well that's what he was doing he never wore a short yeah. that, was, that was his thing So I'm there I've only experienced cool things been told I'm going some places all this sort of stuff then some friends intersect and my Detroit Connections lead me into a group called the Music Mafia situated in Nashville. Wow. And that's yeah. Gretchen Wilson, Big and Rich, like Save yeah. a Horse, Ride a Cowboy, all these big songs Legendary. just coming out yeah, that yeah. year. Yeah. And I meet some people hanging out in this scene and they're like, you need to come to Nashville. Like, yeah. just come, just, just come hang out, see what's up. And I get out there and I'm just humbled, literally off the plane. Like, you yeah. step off the plane yeah. And somebody in the airport is playing bluegrass that yeah. like, I just can't even comprehend what they're doing. I'm just so humbled right away. And I had thought like, oh, I'm a songwriter. I'm this thing. And I, I've always been that. And I continue to be that. But this was like, a, this was like everybody refers to as gospel chops. It's yeah. like it's a different level of just yeah. um, in, insane professionalism. Like the people making fries at every McDonald's are no, like the best singer you've never heard of. And you and I have had um, lots of conversations before. You know how I feel about Nashville. I, yes. I get down there as, as yeah, often as I can. And, yeah. and it's, you know, it, people kind of think that that music city is a branding it really is Music City. And as oh, much no, as, it is. Like, on so many levels. It's, yeah. not, it's not a brand. It's branded yeah. itself. Yeah. And as much yeah. as there's a lot of country music and kind of old school country music there, it is about music yeah. as an industry. It well, what is was about, it, What you know, was cool for me was when I showed up, like, I wasn't really into country. Yeah. and But it was phenomenal. I mean, yeah. like, the people yeah, you're yeah. hanging, the shows I'm seeing, yeah. the stuff yeah. that's going on is like, this is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, 
but I was into the Christian music scene growing yeah. up, and it's huge there. There's yeah. like a whole yeah. row of yeah. like, there's a street with all the like Christian music publishing yeah. companies yeah, and yeah. stuff. And then I got to meet the singer of Jars of Clay through a guy that was acting as my entertainment attorney at the time, who like Dan from Jars of Clay was like my hero. Like, well, I don't know if you've heard of that band, but I like, they're this sorry. like small, like maybe not in the Christian scene, they would be like um, an indie acoustic, like darling kind of thing That's back awesome. in the day. But like, they were a big influence on me. So I was just really intrigued, you know, at all these like uh, Nickel Creek, they're still around playing. I don't think they're like exclusively a Christian band, but yeah, just hanging with like yeah. seeing these people. So I get humbled and then I just start hanging out there. Like basically the deal was this guy was working as a publisher for Universal Music for these acts and music mafia was like, I'm going to be on the road indefinitely for the next couple of years. Like if you just answer the door when it, you know, the bell rings, get the mail in the house, cut the grass, like linger here, go back to you know, um, LA when you need to go drive back up to Windsor, it's just like seven yeah. hours at the highway. Yeah. So it was really great. And then as I hung out there more over the months, like I got an agent by virtue of just hanging out in that scene. That was like nothing extremely formal, but they were sending me around to like Alabama and Georgia and North yeah. Carolina to play shows. Um, yeah, it was really cool. I like, you know, Jake Shimabukuro, like yeah, incredible. Of course. So yeah, like, yeah. I'm like waking up and like spending, well, like opening for Jake and then he's coming and staying at like the place that I'm watching. Um, Corey's house and like staying there for the weekend and we're like he, he's strumming the ukulele in the morning while we're making breakfast and stuff like just wild happenings like I've always like heard him on, on live Jimmy Buffett albums Jimmy Buffett songs he's kind of like in the background oh wow that makes sense right? yeah that would be amazing yeah. so okay so I'm playing down in the south of the states touring a little bit going around going through North Carolina play one night meet somebody that's like back in Canada my neighbor is an executive at Sony and he had actually just left Sony um, and, uh, he's an artist manager, A&R guy from Toronto area. He signed like, um, uh, Our Lady Peace, Amanda Marshall, Chantel wow. Krebiazic, wow. um, Prozac, which was like a big, uh, success at, at, at one point in time. And I forget who else, like, uh, Tom Wilson. So like Blackie and the Rodeo Kings, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Um, so we start working together. My time kind of expired in the States. If you don't have a sponsor there and you're hanging out in Music City, it was just like. I'm going to be here for 20 years before I'm ever going to be like, so I, I just kept visiting back down, but I came back to Canada, put out a, a record on, like got a deal through him with like, um, a company here, made it, made some music, put it out, got an agent and just started touring like crazy. So all of a sudden, anyway, to bring this all full circle back to like the world that I'm in now, um, the touring it, musically speaking, like putting out records, getting on the road, spending time out and about like hanging out with musicians night after night these events these things it really lends itself to the tourism industry yeah you know and previous to like leaving leading up to being like 17 18 and leaving home and going and doing this stuff i was working at tim hortons and i hmm. worked at mcdonald's then i worked at montana's yeah yeah um, i've worked at sushi restaurants so like the hospitality end of things is yeah. really funny but then being on the road you're playing clubs that have restaurants you're playing Absolutely. small bars that have restaurants you're playing like you know yeah all the you're you're just surrounded by hospitality and the show ends and you're drinking until four or five in the morning with the bartenders yeah. and watching them cash out and hearing about their like struggles through the evening and all this stuff so i have this really different awareness yeah, even though yeah. i've not really fully been 
heavily involved in the hospitality industry, I feel like I have an awareness of all, like a lot of the sensitivities, even not having firsthand experience. Well, and even you think about it, live events, music oh, experiences yeah. are completely a big part of the tourism industry, right? And that's where I went with it. Like, so rode a wave with my solo stuff, went up, like I said, just I could go on about the series of shit yeah. decisions I've made for myself. <laughs> but uh, stars have risen and, and fallen. And then uh, when I started having kids, I, uh, some friends of mine who were also going through the same rise and fall of playing nationally and doing well and things were kind of fizzling we all ended up back in windsor looked huh. at each other we're like we love motown music yeah, grew up yeah, with yeah, it yeah, yeah. in the airwaves everywhere around yeah. here detroit radio is always yeah. spilling over yeah. um so we just started a band as an ode to motown yeah. and started for fun and it just yeah. took off and it started to really go and it was a cool thing because like i'm being a dad i'm busy but my yeah. wife was cool as hell and let yeah. me like go out on the road as much as needed yeah. but i didn't have the wherewithal and capacity to write music yeah. the bass player was on this crazy creative run yeah. he was killing it he was writing all these songs the drummer is an amazing technician like uh audio engineer he took the program in london uh what's that called oeard is it i don't know there's a um music engineering program so like he's doing the recordings all the stuff and like you know we just we were we were a really cool unit so what what i ended up putting my time into was you know, trying to expand our draw and pull so we could like, we're all the wiser from first time touring. You're like, yeah. if we're just going to sit around and wait for a good opener, it's going to take forever. But if we can go to these markets and like make some noise and prove yeah. a ticket sale, we could like leverage that and get on some tours and get some yeah. shit going on. So I really, I really enjoyed like trying to create special little events, you know, like mixing a chef and mm. our music and filming it. And bringing in stage and lighting from a local company and local artisans to sell stuff and like yeah. you know experiences right yeah, like I, I didn't totally. know they were experiences yeah, for sure and they were a lot of them well i mean some of them were like I, I did a lot of residencies that brought in new artists each week and new promotional specials with partnerships with beer companies and clothing companies and like just shit because you're out on the road making relationships and yeah. and, and then you start to leverage them and and so this anyway is leading itself into this world with the consulting company KLB I'm with right now in terms of my work in the tourism spectrum and experience development. Yeah. And, you know, um, obviously you can't just dive into a new industry and yeah. be really good at it. But I think that I'm the, luckily have just like a history of things that's helping, helping take me somewhere. Yeah. To, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Not, not in, articulating myself. Well. No, you are. You're doing a great job. And it, <laughs> thank you so much. I needed some reinforcement. It's reinforcement hour. Let's no go. listen. It's we're carrying on. Um, <laughs> but you know, the it, it's funny that the way that you, you characterize your experience and and kind of continuing to bump into the, the hospitality and tourism industry. The truth of the matter is, is the hospitality and tourism industry does a really great job of describing itself mm -hmm. when we need to be crystal clear about what we're doing. But it actually does a better job of hiding itself in the reality of the world that we're kind of existing mm. in. You think about, you know, broadly speaking, especially try to define what the, the tourism industry is collectively. You know, there's the food and beverage, food services industry. Does the person at that cafe that I got my coffee at before I came to see you consider themselves part of the tourism industry? No, they work in a cafe, right? Mm -hmm. You get the hotels and accommodations people. You know, the, the ones who are really dialed into the industry are probably aware of it. But I don't know, the person who does the systems maintenance in a giant property, does he or she consider themselves a part of the tourism industry? No, I'm an engineer, mm -hmm. right? 
airlines, live entertainment, festivals, you know, adventure experiences, all of these different pieces that when rolled up together create this great industry. But as it's happening day to day on the ground, as they say, it disguises itself. It blends into communities, right? And so it actually makes... That's really interesting. That's a really, really fascinating observation. And it is um, part of a lot of this like pedagogy around like experience development is like unearthing. Like, yeah, exactly. The obvious, yeah. really. And, and for me, like traveling as a musician, when I talk to people about the cities I've been to and they're like, tell me like, tell me the coolest places to go. You know, people are like, I'm going to Nashville. What's the coolest spot to go? It's like... I couldn't even tell you because yeah. it's like some guy's house in the backwoods. Totally. Like I don't, exactly. I, you know, I don't but, know. And, and it's so empowering yeah. that like those people can become operators themselves. Totally. And what's so exactly. special yeah. about it is that it's just built culture and community yeah. Yeah. and it doesn't strain shit. Yeah. Yeah. And they know the cool local partnerships yeah. to like jump into and they know what their friends are up to that they want to expose and sell and include. And yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know, you it's, know, it's I'm, exciting. I'm going to say some nice things about you. So just, you know, clench or whatever you need to do to to handle that but uh you know i think one of the the most interesting things about getting to know you as an individual and your background but also working with you as a professional in the tourism capacity we've done some collaborations on mm. on a project or two is this like elevated empathy right and again if anybody who's listening knows me or just in my network that's something that i try to continue to focus on i'm i'm mm. i'm aware of my own emotional intelligence and the areas that i need to develop you know, and I also kind of use it as a bit of a mechanism to help other people learn about themselves and their organizations and grow. And I, I think that you have a high level of empathy, which means that you go into a community or a relationship and you're paying attention to the other person, right? What's going on with that person? How are they doing? What are they saying? And you also have that capacity then to adapt your own response to it, right? Mm -hmm. So you go into a space and you have the ability to see what's going on around you. And then you have, you have the ability to add value to it, that experience. I think it's cool. You see that I feel because I am so new that I look forward to having more of that. Yeah. Cause you know how sometimes when you're doing new things, you're just so overwhelmed with all the things. Like yeah. it's, it's just taking it all in because even looking back on the tourism development work I did this past year, it's like, man, if I could only start that over, yeah. but that's everything in life, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Totally. Yeah. What do you, Joe, what do you attribute like your empathy to? Like, why do you think you are the empathetic person that you are? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's my own personal journey. And I think it's, again, the purpose of this podcast is to have people have the space or for me to create a space for people to share their stories and to share their journeys. Mm -hmm. Because I think everybody is so unique. And when we sit here, we are in, you know, 2023 uh, both of us really working in and around the tourism industry, we've got some challenges collectively. We've got some issues that we need to contend with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what's happening right now is around talent development. How do we find people, bring them into the industry, keep them into the industry. And part of what I'm discovering is everybody's journey is so unique mm -hmm. that the experience of their lives, personal and professional, shapes who they are in the capacity of their current role. Mm -hmm. And I think the more we can do to encourage anybody and everybody to learn about themselves, to discover what they're interested in, to discover what they're good at, mm -hmm. and to find meaningful work or develop a meaningful business or find creative outlets that really helps them amplify what they're good at and what they enjoy, 
I just think it's like you everybody know, benefits. Everybody benefits. Ev- literally right. everybody exactly. benefits in that scenario. Yeah. And and so for me, you know, I I have a meandering background, you know, mine is not the same as yours except that we actually share that we've been through ups and downs and that we've had yeah. geography and we've had ge- and and that's exactly the point. In the again, in the world that we're living in, after what we've contended with over the last few years and as we're moving forward with our country on fire and with just massive divide between peoples and beliefs and all the struggles that we're facing. I think as we work on appreciating and enhancing diversity, I think there's also an opportunity to understand that there's a certain amount of unity here. There's a certain amount of unity between people, between so much more know, unity than diversity. Too, right. Which is hilarious. And, to, and so, so, sitting so right there. yeah. And I think that that's, that's the point for me, this is the purpose of this podcast, but my experience, my personal journey in life, my professional journey in life has humbled me. That's it. And totally. I has, feel the same way. has helped me appreciate that I want to be of service and my best way to contribute is through an innate empathy that the world has given me. Mm-hmm. My experience in life has given me the ability to sit down and say, what's going on with you? How are you doing? How are you feeling? What are you interested in? And getting better at my own ability to adapt to that situation and to, to, to kind of like to, you know, change my approach to the situation so that I meet that individual or that team or that organization or that country or that massive society right where it is right here, right now, grounded in this moment and, and connecting and then and finding that uniqueness and finding the unity, finding the, 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 you know, the string that draws us all together. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And for me, you know, my thing is tourism. My thing is restaurants, hospitality, travel. This is, this is where I'm at my best. And I think that there's a lot that we can do as an industry collectively to not try to force everybody into a little box. I think forcing people into boxes sometimes seems like a logical solution but we're just we're just using an industrialized mindset to to build you know an industry that is based so much on people right you just talked about the way you articulated all of your experience your physical interactions with cities mm. and venues and and restaurants and transportation and people at the end of the day the hospitality and tourism industry is an industry of people cannot happen without highly engaged appreciated human beings that's what's cool about it like uh thinking about a parallel to the music industry is you know struggling industries so the ones who linger there's very few hanging around that are like i'm gonna get rich you know yeah um and there's everyone's always motivated by some some type of a a gain if you're gonna put your time into something sure of course you have to but it is interesting that like in industries that are suffering, at least the people that are going through it are there because they want to be. Yeah. Or maybe they don't want to be there yeah. per se, but they believe in it and they want to see it better. Totally. And I, I appreciate that about music too. As much as it breaks your heart, you're just surrounded by other like-minded people who Absolutely. share this. Well, uh, yeah. And we as the tourism industry are happy to have you. So thanks for, thanks for stepping over our way. I love it. Let's it's, talk it's about cool. what you're working on. Give, give me, give anybody who's tuning in a, a sense of what are the projects that you're working on? First of all, I guess you said KLB. What is KLB? Where are you working? What are you doing? 
uh, and you know, and just a, a good sense of what 2023, 2024 looks like from a okay, project okay. perspective. Well, I am navigating these waters. Like I've, I'm find myself working in economic development. Um, I get, okay. So talking about tattered industries, you know, the music industry had been, you know, smacked around quite a bit for like a decade and a half yeah. and then the pandemic hits. Yeah. And so when the pandemic hit, it was really, it was actually kind of cool for me. Like I jumped into streaming right away. Huh as a means of just doing something. And I knew yeah. that people were sitting around wanting something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And one thing that I didn't foresee is that like the first records that I put out that kind of got me started were the ones that had the most impact for me career wise. It was mm. when things were going the best for me yeah. and people wanted nostalgia when COVID hit. Right. So going back 12, 15 years and grabbing those old songs out, yeah. learning, relearning them and streaming them once a week, yeah. all, all of a sudden this, this Facebook page that had seemingly gone dead for, a decade was revitalized yeah. and was an income source suddenly. Wow, cool. I had a record company approach me to re-release the first record. We put <laughs> it out on vinyl. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Like just, you know, so that wouldn't have happened without the pandemic. And then I, uh, I don't think we've seen or gone down to my studio yet, but I'll show you the room like over COVID, you know, with proceeds from just like being able to play online and yeah. still have gigs. I was like reinvesting in this room. I'm just mm. going to keep building this room back up, building this room back up. And I got into doing a little bit more commercial work. Just yeah. friends that live all around yeah. me here in Toronto are involved in lots of sync work and yeah. music licensing stuff. So I was working in that field, did a video game soundtrack through COVID um, with my friend Jim across the street, who's really heavily involved um, in that industry. I think he popped into the backyard last time you yeah, were here yeah, on your yeah, way out the door. Yeah. Um, but it just got to a point that like, you know, my kids are going to be nine and 12 next month and we live in downtown Toronto and it's, you know, it's not glamorous being yeah. a musician and there's yeah. no um, consistency there. Or at least yeah. there hasn't been for me since COVID. So I um, opted to go to school. Yeah. Like I'm a high school dropout, right? When that deal for Los Angeles came my way, I was just like, see you yeah. later. I'm out of here. I just dropped out. Yeah. So I got my equivalency. Um, good for you yeah the school board was really i mean the school board wants you to yeah. so back in essex county the school board allowed me through a series of essays essentially just awesome. about like what has gone on the last number yeah. of years to bring me to this place and yeah. then they were graded and so they gave me i was just a couple credits shy anyway yeah. so grabbed that got in at uh, toronto met and have been studying had it like i've always been intrigued at law so yeah. um you know obviously that sounds super ambitious and we'll see where that takes me but so I decided to jump in school and not just jump in school, but if I have loftier goals, I got to do real well. So I yeah. jumped in, I'm hammering it out, going along, doing the best I can. Well, anyway, actually, right, just as I'm starting in September of my first year, I get a cold call from Kira, who owns KLB Consulting, who I had met almost 20 years previously in North Bay when I was performing on circuits around Canada wow. at colleges. She would come out to the shows in North Bay. I had a great little following there. Um, and then ironically, she had been relocated through her work near close to my hometown of Windsor. Huh. So she reached out and said, listen, I've gone off on my own. And she's got a whole, I hope you have her on the podcast soon because her story yeah. is wild. Um, she'd gone off on her own to be an independent consultant and was having a lot of success in grant writing and had been a fan of my music for years and said, there's a lot of great music applications I know about there. Why don't we put some in? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm going back to school right now. Like I, I'm aware of these grants. I know them well. And like, even if we get one, I'm not going to have the capacity to pull through with my end of the deal because yeah. I'm not writing music. I'm like full throttle school, you know, 
So she's like, all right, I'll touch base in May. She touched base. She's like, hey, you maintain a pretty decent GPA. Like, if you can write, I had someone just bail on me for some tourism work. And I actually am aware of your knowledge of travel in the particular area of the work. Like, why don't you jump in and try to do this job for me? Let's see how it goes. Wow. One job went well, second job, third job. And suddenly she was like, I find myself in this unique place that I need someone that has like a wide ranging skill set like you. Yeah. Not so hyper focused. You know, what would it take to get you on board over here? Yeah. So just kind of naturally progressed that I, I sunk in and got involved. Uh, initially under the intentions of tourism specific work. Yeah. But it's an economic development consultancy that's growing mm. quick and had rebranded in the last year and um, was making personnel rotations and changes and like getting, um, yeah, just work coming in, you know, like she's a very ambitious, um, hardworking, intelligent person in the industry and is drumming up a lot of work for herself. So I've just found, found myself on top of tourism work. Uh, chasing the trail of sort of this economic development because mm. I mean economic development is uh, like in an umbrella like tourism is going to fit Absolutely. under there right yeah. so there's yeah. but there's all these different avenues and then you realize too if you really want to be wise in tourism you're going to have to be aware of a lot of other sensitivities because yeah. you know um, that's just what economic development is industries affect one another yeah so yeah my, I mean with my work this past year there has been the development of sort of curriculum for our own company of how we're approaching um, experience development. Hmm. I mean, so much of what I speak about and know about comes from Celeste Devar, who Kira connected me with early on to do training um, under because he has spearheaded a lot of experience development work across Canada that is being, you know, regarded as um, just a really great framework or template to approach everything. Yeah. Um, and so we did some work with Haldeman County. We've done some work with uh, Chippewa the Thames out of London, uh, a First Nation. Um, gosh, who else? Um, a, v- a variety of clients. So that, that has been tourism world and then also sort of have sunk into what it is to be in a sales position, I suppose, yeah. in yeah. economic development, yeah. doing a lot of like responses to requests for proposals. Yeah. Um, Grant writing galore. Like yeah. I, I've found that like obviously growing up in in the in the lane that I have with music and naturally writing music related grants for the bands I've been in, yeah. the projects I've been working yeah, yeah. on, it's lend, lending itself to really fitting in well for the company and its That's grant amazing. writing world. Just you know, there's a lot of arts organizations we work with. There's a lot of really sure. interesting um, projects and yeah, just uh, initiatives that are happening that we're supporting in, yeah. in writing grant applications from, you know, indigenous artists to residencies to uh, science centers to, um, you know, organizations that sell architectural services online. Like, it's just, it's all over the place, right? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, That's I'm just amazing. kind of like, cool. I have a net spread out and just sort of learning this world of like juggling a lot of objectives. But what happens, I think, as you juggle all of them and you get more and more into it, you realize that. I'm not so much juggling independent objectives. Like all of these have, there's an intersection here. And uh, yeah, so I'm just, I'm just sort of even, even speaking about it right now, it's interesting because again, it still feels like so fresh to me. Like yeah. I thought I was going to be in school, trying to jump into law school. Of course, with law school, the reason why I wanted to go there is a lot of friends of mine are practicing entertainment law mm. that, where, where music has slowed down, slowed down for them. And um, they had the wherewithal or the ability to really focus in and, you know, get through that education and get in get, get into law school and and carry it forward in the entertainment industry is really interesting so yeah. 
That's very cool. So now I don't even know where my my future lies, really. Good I'm, for you. I'm sticking in school because I'm just finding it important. Uh, I didn't have that at 18, 19, yeah. 20, 21, where I was yeah. like writing academic papers in, in any capacity. Yeah. Writing songs for years, written applications. But to jump in at the university level and try to get an A-plus on every paper you write, I mean, like, that's a... That's a pretty big challenge, even if you're just taking an undergrad. I mean, it's 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 a lot of work for starting from scratch. So yeah. I'm like, I'm just really like trying to go through the motions of the years of study and, and good for yeah. you. And those that's pretty high ambition to aim for getting an A plus on everything that you're doing. Yeah, so. it doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> well, you're doing great. So well, I'm also about 20 years older. I feel like than than my compadres in school there. So yeah, I don't know if age has anything to do with well, intelligence. Well, it does it's because just... you know how to ask questions. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. Like, it, I, I think it's so funny that people complain about the cost of education. Yeah. Um, the government is making it very easy for me to go to school. Yeah, good. And good. the money that I am spending going, it's like, what, what more can I really ask for? Like, yeah. it's up to me to put my best effort in to understand what I'm fucking up yeah. and what I could do better. Yeah. And on top of that, you have this opportunity to build a relationship with an individual that went on a pretty crazy journey to wind up teaching downtown Toronto at a respected university. Like... It doesn't matter who that person is. Yeah. Th there is something there for you to extract. And I just really, I appreciate that part of it. Yeah. So essentially what I'm saying is I think the A plus has come from brown nosing perhaps <laughs> more than, than studies. And I think there's a lot of truth actually to me saying that. I think I, I wind up making friends. I'm like close in age to a lot of my professors. So I make good friends with them and, and it's just a different experience. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very, very grateful for it though. It's, it's Amazing. exciting. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you for sharing your, your fabulous yeah. story and your background and, and again, as I've said before, the tourism industry is lucky to have you. And, and if there's anybody who's listening, who's, you know, trying to figure out how they fit in, just, you know, there's a place here for you and, and your uniqueness and your, your meandering background probably adds more value than you may be able to, to know. <laughs> uh, so maybe one day, but I, I want to say too, man, like you're an inspiration, honestly, like you are a highly intelligent individual, your writing and the materials having worked alongside you and more been able been privileged to witness the work that you do mm, thanks um you are extraordinarily sharp and you are um uh you have a way of saying things that are complex in a nice simple way mm. um your presentations at conferences are top shelf like oh. you are you're an absolute gem of a talent and uh that's a pleasure and thanks, i man. i feel really lucky to be in situations like this to jump into new industries and have mentorship and leadership from people like you you know like Amazing. i'm in a lucky position and i i recognize that a lot and um yeah i just appreciate it and i appreciate any kind words you're saying to me today well, i'll slip you that 500 bucks when we're done <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you for that thanks for that unsolicited uh positive feedback about me thanks i really appreciate that Man, I, I appreciate you a lot so thank okay you. so i think you've tuned in and thank you for listening to uh an episode or two of the podcast so you may yeah. may or, or may not know that we kind of wrap up each interview with the three same questions. Every okay. guest gets asked the same three questions. Uh, so I'm going to hit you with, with them just to kind of, you know, get, get us to that, a, a real crisp fine point on exactly who you are and what you've experienced. Okay. So first question, when you look back and you think back on your career, what was the most significant adversity you had to face? And take your time. In my career? Yeah. In your career. Being poor. Hmm. like that is hard when you are like just chasing a dream and there's so much that's like about to potentially happen but you have to like bridge some gap to get there and i know poor is like an extreme word but like no no it is extremely challenging like when we talk about empathy and having that built in like that just that comes from 
having had something and then having lost it and having to build back up again and having to have gone through that cycle numerous times um, and fighting through it with like babies, you know, Mm. and young children and like chasing a goal and a dream because like you just have this pursuit. I I feel like, I feel like that is the biggest challenge to overcome. And I suppose the way maybe what I'm not articulating is like, it's not just, going through those hardships but it's yeah. like deciding to do it all over again absolutely <laughs> you know totally. so yeah, yeah I thank would you say, yeah so second part of that then you know how did you overcome or how do you overcome such an adversity oh blind faith hmm. in something something you know like no one thing like not yeah. faith like oh god god's got my back on this like no just knowing that like um the the universe is just going to respond to what's necessary here and that everything will be all right. And I mean, come on, everything will be all right for all of us. We live in Canada. We're very lucky people, you know, but um, yeah, life can get, life can get hard. And yeah, that's good. That's, that's amazing perspective to be able to even say that that's how you've overcome those adversities. Cause I think that's, that's pretty universal truth. But I think that also, that's not the only thing too, because you can have that if you have other things like the support, around you of you know ones you love or whoever it may be like you know and i know that there's self-made individuals out there but i'm definitely not one of them like i can have blind faith but like you know my wife's support over the years and the the, the community around me and the friends around me and you know even lamenting to you last time you were here about my frustrations in in the tourism work and and you know it's you have to have that community to then go okay i've i've even if it's all going to go to shit again i've you know I got my support system. Absolutely. And that makes you lucky. Third question then, just to wrap, what, what lesson has that adversity and the way that you've overcome it taught you that you are applying to your life and your career in the present and in the future? Be more present for the future. (laughs) I think just, being like more aware, like just trying to slow down a little bit, you know, a um, lot of distractions in the world, a lot of anxieties, easy to worry about what's next when you're not even worried about what's happening in the moment. And I think I'm learning to do that a little bit more, dare I say, be a bit more strategic. <laughs> um, I think this job has taught me that a lot too, of just like, you know, if you just come up with a little bit of a plan, yeah, you know, really. You can really get somewhere, and if you don't get there, you're able to measure, you know, what happened. And yeah. and and I think applying that in just like a more like micro yeah. <laughs> level has been really, um, really important, and will continue to be. I think that's maturity too. I see it in people around me that are older. I mean, that's just part of being young and dumb, I guess. But beautiful um, perspective. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, thank you again, Pat. Yeah, man. Thanks. thanks. Like this said, is fun. Let's do this again tomorrow. <clears throat> thanks for sharing your story. <laughs> thanks for sharing. Thanks for opening your home for this podcast. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime. Uh, you're it's really great. And uh, as we say at the end of these interviews, you know, if there's anybody who's still listening, if there's anybody who's <laughs> made it to the end of this conversation, uh, you know, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, you know, we always wish you luck and success you know, on your own journey and wherever your road takes you, you know, you'll get there eventually. Uh, Stick with it. I just picture somebody sleeping and that's just playing in the background like they've fallen asleep halfway through. But right after this, <laughs> here comes the music. Yeah. Thanks, Rock Pat. and roll. Thank you, Joe.
Reservation has been produced by Amanda Christine and is a Joe Baker & Co. production. Check us out at www.thejoebaker.com.